I received this email from someone recently. This is a paraphrase or an edited version of it. I wanted it to be as anonymous as necessary, so I flattened it out, changed it up a little bit, but you will get the gist and you'll understand the point of the email and why I am doing a podcast on it. This lady wrote, she said, my husband is abusive. He followed you and sent so many articles from you to me showing how I needed to change. I know you don't like the word abuse, so let me call him a narcissist, end quote. I have several things to say in response to this to this email that I received. And in the last Your Daily Drive article that I wrote, I began the article by referring to this. You don't have to go listen to Your Daily Drive, but I did say in that article that I was infuriated and I think I'm going to do a podcast on this, and so now I am doing a podcast on this. I'm not infuriated at the lady at all. Uh, I am infuriated at the husband, the man who is doing this. And this is something that I have heard before. This is not a new story for me all along over the past decade plus that uh, this ministry has been around. There have been people who have taken our content, whether it's a husband or a wife, used it out of context and use it, used it as a way to manipulate others. I have talked about this in various podcasts over the years, but I've never dedicated an entire podcast to it. And so I'm doing that now. This is episode 307. The title of the podcast is Stop Using My Resources as a Cudgel to Make Someone Else Conform. I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they said, what in the world is a cudgel? Uh, a, a cudgel is, a, is an old-school blunt instrument, and I only mean that in an analogous way. Uh, it, it is using a, a tool. It is weaponizing something to get what you want out of someone, and thus I've titled this podcast, Stop Using My Resources as a Cudgel to Make Someone Conform. And yes, I am infuriated. I am amazingly frustrated. This is what, by the way, what infuriation and frustration looks like for me. I'm not a thrower or a hollerer, a yeller, but I am throwing and I'm yelling right now. This is absolutely infuriating that people would take our resources or any resources and and pull them out of context and use them in a manipulative manner so that they can accomplish whatever it is that they are trying to accomplish trying to to accomplish their agenda basically is what they are doing and it's not God's agenda and so this is really frustrating and and my strongest appeal is for anybody that that does that or if you think you are doing that then Repent if you think you are doing it. Uh, bounce it off someone and ask them, am I reading this correctly? We do this all the time. I mean, this is the one of the one of the assets, one of the benefits of a community is like say you read a verse of scripture and you're not sure of the context, you're not sure of the interpretation, you don't have a proper maybe hermeneutic or uh, you're not, the, the exegesis is maybe you're not gifted at exegesis or don't know how to do exegetical work. And so what do you do? You pull a commentary down and you read a commentary or you talk to a friend because you want to be clear. You want to be right. But that's, that's because your motivations are, are, are pure. 
in this particular instance with what this wife is saying, the husband's motivations are not pure. They are devious, just to put it mildly, is manipulating, and it is very frustrating. And so with that in mind, I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. This is episode 307. If you want to read the bullet points, the skeletal outline that I have here regarding this podcast, you can go to episode 307, and you can look for this title, Stop Using My Resources as a Cudgel to Make Someone Else Conform. And again, I I have here an edited version of what the lady wrote to me. Uh, I did want to keep it anonymous and keep it flattened out, and so I didn't want to get into specific details other than husband, wife, marriage, using my content and narcissist, and that can fit, you know, mostly mostly anyone. Let me say that I mentioned this in one of our uh, episodes uh, or one of the podcasts. I don't remember if it's Your Daily Drive or Life Over Coffee. This is Life Over Coffee, but I mentioned maybe a month ago that we are eventually going to go to just one network, and it's going to be this one here, Life Over Coffee. We're going to do away with your daily drive. We will keep those uh, resources. We'll keep those podcasts. Those podcasts, God willing, will always be archived and always be available and always be embedded in articles. And we will, I will continue, God willing, to write articles and do a podcast for those articles. But rather than having two networks, uh, there doesn't seem to be a a good reason to have two networks. We just have one. You have one app on on your phone, like say if you listen from the phone, not two of our apps. And so we're in process of doing that. And I, I hope it will happen sometime this year, but I wanted to give you a heads up. And again, this is Life Over Coffee. And so if it comes to your phone, you, there's nothing for you to do. You will get our podcast, as you always have, and I'll talk about this more on the other network, the Your Daily Drive network, so that they can migrate over to Life Over Coffee. This is the community that we are going to build because this is the community that best reflects our brand, which is coffee. This is who we are, and so I will do all of the podcast in this one network life over coffee and so I want you to know that we're not making any significant moves in the in the near future but it is coming and I wanted to uh, start talking about it so that people can prepare if you uh, know someone that listens to life over coffee and uh, uh, listens to your daily drive rather and you you want to let them know that well, that's going to be going away, and, and they want to subscribe to Life Over Coffee. Okay, so this is episode 307. Stop using my resources as a cudgel to make someone else conform. Now, the lady said, and I just want to mention this as an aside. I'm not going to dwell on this, but her last sentence says, I know you don't like the word abuse, so let's call him a narcissist. That statement is not true. You're not going to find in any of my content that that I do not like the word abuse, not in, not in the tight way in which she's saying this. She's giving no caveat, no commentary, no footnote. That is, and, and that is, therefore, that is not a true statement. The word abuse is fine. I, I'm fine with the word. 
And I trust she knows better than what she said here, and I trust she knows why I speak out against the word abuse. And when I do, uh, it's because some people take the word abuse and, and they expand it to mean just about anything. And then there are other, there are biblical counselors, or I don't consider them I don't consider them biblical counselors, at least not at this point, where they take abuse and then they upload it, like in 1 Corinthians 7.15, and, and use that verse and the word abuse and, and give a person a reason for divorce. There are two reasons in the Bible for divorce. Abuse is not one of them. But when people hear that, they they they... They throw the baby out with the bathwater. Maybe that's the best way to explain it. Well, you don't like abuse or you're, you don't, whatever the issue is with abuse. No, a word abuse is, is a clear word. I believe in helping people, and I believe in helping people biblically, and I don't have to stretch the word abuse to incorporate things that really after a while abuse doesn't mean anything or it means everything, however you want to define that. And so I have no problem with the word abuse when a person is being abused, but it is a catch-all phrase that is uploaded to mean so many different things. And so when you're dealing with abuse, you want to get inside of it and and see what it what is really going on in the relationship. The end goal is to help people, and one of the ways that you help people is that you understand exactly what is happening here. And I do agree with her that based on the limited information that she has given me, the word narcissist would, would be a very good word that she has selected here, but to say I don't like the word abuse would be, would be un, untrue. Now, as I move through this, I also need to state that uh, Proverbs eighteen seventeen has to be some point of this uh, this monologue that I'm presenting to you. In Proverbs eighteen seventeen, it, uh, the, the writer said, "The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him." Whenever you're dealing with any relational situation, a relational situation is between at least two people. And if you're going to help someone and help them biblically, competently, comprehensively, then you need to know the whole story. And that's why Proverbs 18:17 is a valuable verse to keep in mind when you're only listening to one part of what is going on in the marriage. And then some people will hear what I just said and and they will say, "Well, you don't believe that she's telling the truth." No, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I believe she is telling the truth. I do not unbelieve anything that she has told me that she is putting in this email. Love believes all things. She has laid this out. I absolutely believe her. This is not an issue of believing a person or unbelieving a person. This is an issue of discernment, and that's what this verse is about. The one who states his case first seems right. She seems right. She does. I believe her. She's right. Until the other comes and examines. And anybody that's doing any kind of discipleship has to understand this, and they have to have the courage. They have to have the backbone to be able to discern what is going on in the whole situation. But that has nothing to do with unbelieving someone. And people, they just get so triggered 
over things like this, that they, they lose rational thought. I totally believe this lady. I do not unbelieve her in any sense. I also know that there is more to the story than what she's saying. She only gave me like three or four sentences. And so I choose to believe her. I know that there's another part of the story. Is what Proverbs 18:17 is admonishing us to consider. So for this podcast, you need to know that. But for this podcast, I'm just going to deal with the one who stated their case first. And I'm working under the assumption that it is true. And I have some very strong things to say to to this husband, to the manipulator, to the narcissist, to this individual who is doing this to the wife. And the strongest thing that I want to say to, uh, to him is that may the Lord do what he needs to do to change you. Stop using our resources as a cudgel to manipulate other people to get them to do whatever in the heck you want them to do. It is mean, it is wrong, it is evil, it is deceptive, it is harsh, it is unkind, uh, it, is, it is dumb, and, and you can't do this. Now, if you are blind, if you're so blind at this point, then my statement stands. May the Lord do what he needs to do to change you, maybe May the Lord do what he needs to do to open your eyes and to remove the scales that have blinded you to where you have been manipulating for so long and justifying yourself for so long and rationalize your actions for, for so long and blaming what you do or what's going on in your marriage for so long that you have these scales on your eyes that you can't see the truth any longer, that you that you have fully exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and now you are believing the lie. You are flying blind. The person who is blind to his own blindness is the worst kind of blindness, and if your conscience, according to 1 Timothy 4, 2, is so hardened, case-hardened, to where you cannot even perceive what you are doing, may God bring you down to earth quickly, and may he bring you down hard enough to break open the case hardening that's around your conscience so that your heart can be tendered so you can see what you're doing if you truly cannot see what you are doing. There are two possible options here. One is the blindness that I have described, and then another person who is not blind at all, but they actually know what they are, are doing, and that is just satanic. That is downright evil. You ha Your conscience has not been dulled. Your conscience has not been hardened, but you are very much uh, aware, self-aware of what you're doing because what you want what you want is so strong that you will do anything that you need to do in order to accomplish that. And so the first part of this podcast is to the manipulator. May the Lord do what he needs to do to change you, no matter how hard that, uh, no, no matter whatever the hardship is that he has to bring into your life. And then tie to that, stop it.
Just stop it. Don't use our resources like a weapon. And if you are in this situation and you believe you have a spouse or a friend who is taking resources, whether it's ours or or something else, and twisting them, as the Bible talks about, they are twisting them for their own evil purposes, then you, uh, you, you go and talk to someone, and I'll get more. I'll, I'll talk to the manipulated here in just a moment. But but you need to go and talk to someone and and compare this and say is is this true? Here's the situation. This is what's going on. This is what they are doing. Here is the resource that they are using. People uh, people do that with the Bible all the time. Maybe the most abused verse of Scripture in the entire Bible is. Maybe Matthew seven one, judge not unless you be judged. Taken wildly out of context, so that people would use that verse to manipulate another person, so that the other person will not critique them, will not judge them, will not criticize them. They want to shut them down, and they use the weaponize the Bible, take a verse out of context to do it. It happens all the time. People dealt with these, uh, Jesus dealt with these people in the four Gospels, the Pharisees. He called them whited sepulchres in Matthew 23, that the outside looked great, but the inside was full of dead men's bones. Or they would take scripture and he would say, you've heard it's been said, but this I say. And, and, and they twisted scripture and he brought clarity to it. And he was always confronting that. And I'm confronting this right now. If you know somebody that's doing this and and you need someone to talk to or you need someone to bounce it off, you can do what this lady did here. Just let us let us know. I mean, we can't really change the individual, but I do want to know about these things because this is just absolutely ungodly. And by the way, I didn't say this at the beginning, but I do want to state it now. I do not take what this lady said as accusational toward me. I don't take it as an offense. I, I take it just as a, a statement of fact. I don't take it as that she's angry with me. She's just letting me know something. I shared this with part of our team, and I asked them, I said, how, do you, how did you read this? Uh, how did it come across to you? And they said the same thing. Two other people said the same thing, that, uh, no, I don't think she's accusing here. I think she's just letting you know. And I'm sure she's hurt. I'm sure she's frustrated. And and that's just saying it lightly. I can't really imagine what she has been going through being under that kind of oppressive individual who has been weaponizing content uh, to uh, get the wife to do whatever whatever it is that he wants her to do. And so this is episode 307. The title of the podcast is Stop Using My Resources as a Cudgel to Make Someone Else Conform. I've talked about the the person who is actually doing it, and I made several statements there, but now I want to turn and wrap up this podcast by talking to the manipulated. And so I was talking to the manipulor. Uh, May God have mercy on you, but may he bring you down just hard enough to crack open your case-hardened conscience and so that the scales just fall from your eyes. That's to the manipulator. To the manipulated, I do have a few things that I want you to consider. And any person that you sense that you're in a situation like this, I have eight things that I want to share 
with you. Some of it kind of interweaves with, with the other points, but I just want to be super clear as I finish up here because I want you to have help. I don't have a whole lot of patience for this person here, for the manipulator. I don't have a whole lot of patience for him, and I just trust that God will do uh, what he can do to bring this person not just to their senses, but in a place of repentance to where he would go back to his wife, uh, humble and broken and 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 willing to reconcile and unconditionally and will do anything that he needs to do to make things right. And I trust that that would, would, would happen. But to the manipulated, for any of you that are in something similar uh, to this, here are eight things that I trust will uh, be beneficial for you. Number one, understand what gaslighting is. Gaslighting is, gaslight uh, is the name of a movie from 1939. It was the more popular version, I think was 1942, but it was one before the Charles, I don't remember which one that Charles Boyer was, was in, but anyway, it's referring to a a movie that was done twice within a couple of years, and it was it, it's about a man who was trying to manipulate his wife, and he would turn the gas light, the light, the lamp. He would turn the light down and turn it up, and she would see it down, and then she'll see it up and see it up, and then she'll see it down, and he was turning it up and down. He was trying to drive her crazy, and she will say, you know, the gaslight is, is, is lit, but no, it's not lit. Let, come look. It's not lit. You know, that kind of thing. Gaslighting means that, trying to drive a person crazy, which is what this individual uh, is doing uh, to his wife. Uh, he is t- He's taking, in this case, our resources, twisting them, and then manipulating her and trying to get her to believe something that she knows in her heart of hearts that it is not true. The popularized term for that is gaslighting. And so my first point here is understand what gaslighting is. I did like a 17-minute video on this. I've written an entire 2,000-word article on this, and those links are here inside these show notes. And if you're not familiar with gaslighting and and what is going on in that context, then I would appeal to you to watch the video, read the article, listen to the podcast. You really need to understand what is happening. Ga- gaslighting is just a, a synonym for manipulation, a synonym for trying to drive someone crazy. Our country is, there's politicians that are doing that right now. We're looking at what's going on objectively right in front of us and in different spheres, just depend on where you look. And they say, you know, no, there isn't a cancel culture or no, there isn't a border crisis or no, there isn't fill in the blank. And you're looking at it and it's like, uh, yes, there there is. They're gaslighting us hoping that we will believe the lie so that we can move lockstep with whatever their wishes are. You have to understand gaslighting. Number two, have a friend to help you to keep your mind on the truth. In Philippians 4, you know the verses well. Verse number 8, for example, whatever is true, honorable, good report, think on these things. And so sometimes, especially when you're in a gas lighting situation, you can start to believe a lie uh, instead of the truth. And 
if you're at the place to where you've been sold this lie and you have embraced it, for example, that that submission means you can't talk to anybody, then you need to you need to chunk that right now. You need to get help. You make your appeals to your spouse, uh, in this case to your husband, and if he won't listen and things just aren't right, do not hesitate. Find somebody in your local church. Find somebody, uh, a spiritual authority who has the competence to be able to guide you because you need somebody to help you to keep your mind in line with the gospel because if someone's feeding you information over and over again and you don't have anybody to realign you, you could be gaslit. You, you, you could start to believe that lie, and that is a bad place. So number one, understand what gaslighting is. Number two, have a friend to help you to keep your mind on the truth. Number three, pray for the person who's doing this to you. Pray for your enemies in this case. This man is an enemy. He is an enemy to his wife. And so love your enemies. One of the ways that you can love your enemies is to pray for them. I am not talking about accommodating them. I'm not talking about giving them whatever it is that they want. That's not love. That's messed up. Uh, Love sometimes can be hard. Love sometimes can be saying the difficult thing. And so in this case, when I talk about loving your enemies, I'm just making one point here. Pray for the person who does this uh, but for two reasons. One, you want God to intervene in this person's life, as I've already said. May God bring this person down just hard enough to break open their heart and conscience. But number two, when you pray for someone, it helps to soften your heart toward them. Because what you don't want to is, is to compound the evil that they're doing by responding to, this, responding to this person in an evil way. And I've seen so many people in abuse situations to where they take on a bitter spirit. They take on a bitter spirit. And so you ask God to give you the grace to pray for this person, not to compromise, not to, not to take your foot off the throttle as far as helping this person get right, not accommodating them in any way. But you can pray for them. Paul prayed for the Corinthians, the meanest people that he had to interact with as far as I know, as far as the church is concerned. And you can read the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians and you will see his attitude of prayer toward these people. Number four, guard against becoming a victim. Now this kind of flows out of number three. If you pray for your enemies and you're loving your enemies, and I'm going to use prayer and love as a synonym because I'm speaking specifically of praying when I talk about love, even though there are other ways to love your enemy. But if you're praying for your enemies, in this case this lady's husband, it will keep you from taking on his sin, meaning it will keep you from becoming a victim. The word victim means vicarious, where you take on the sin of another. Jesus was our vicarious suffering Savior. He took on all of our sin. Well, this lady is taking on the sin of her husband. She's not asking for it. It's being thrust upon her. But what she doesn't want to do is to carry it forever. And so sometimes you cannot get out from under carrying somebody's sin because they put it on you like what he's doing. But you don't want to stay there. And that's why I say guard against becoming a victim. You may be a victim for a season, but you can't carry that mantle because it will make you hard and bitter and other sin issues will begin to grow inside your own heart. So pray for the person was number three. Number four, guard against becoming a victim. Number five, if he won't listen to you, out him. Out him to others, those who can assist. I've already mentioned that earlier. Find somebody 
that don't be beholden to this weird, twisted version of submission where you can't talk about your husband, when, especially when your husband is sinning and refuses to repent. Number six, if he's eisegetically using my resources, let me know and provide me permission to reach out to him. Give me his email. Give me his phone number. Uh, if he's eisegetically using my resources, let us know. I want to know. Number not uh, number seven, don't compare with, don't compare where he is now, high and mighty, with where you are now. And the reason I'm making this point here is sometimes you know a person who is manipulating you like that, gaslighting you, they seem high and mighty and in charge, and you're lowly and beat down. And you see where he is and where you are, and you compare the differences. This is what I want you to know, is that anybody who deviates from truth will come down quickly. And if you stay true to walking in line with the gospel, you will be high. God will elevate the lowly and the humble, and he will bring the proud down. And so don't get caught up with where he is now, high and mighty, and where you are now, beaten down. Though that is the reality, that's not going to be how it's always going to be. That's number seven. Number eight, understand, this flows out of this, understand his future demise. Anyone who walks in untruth will not end well. And I pray that God will bring him down and down quickly and will elevate you up quickly. This is episode 307. Stop using my resources as a cudgel to make someone else conform. If you want to talk to us about this, please let us know. Jump on our forums. Let's talk. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee. Thank you.